Yay, 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 yay. We are all here. Everyone is back. I'm a little I'm a little peeking a little. Let me turn it down just a hair. And I'm going to do the same. And here we go. And significantly, I've made go. a significant this change. Is, here we go. And, and we're, we're still, this, all of this is staying in the podcast. Hi, welcome. Fan Control Fandom. We did it, everybody. You know, they, they always say you don't want to watch the sausage get made. But what about listening to it? Hi, I'm Alex Enriquez. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kenny Stevenson. And we're back. The uh, day one boat stand kings have been reunited. We had some audio difficulties two weeks ago, last week ago, last week ago. That That's how we say it. Uh, last mm-hmm. week ago, uh, Alex had some travel stuff and I did a solo show, which was a lot of fun. But as I said at the end, I don't want to do that all the time. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> but it was terrific. I really back. enjoyed it. I really liked your take. Uh, and and, and I, I will say, listening on the headphones, instinctively, there were a couple times when I went to jump in and respond to something you said. As you uh, should, but yeah. we weren't recording. We weren't recording that together. That would have been so fun. I would have loved to have been just a fly on the wall to hear you. In the Ralphs. Yeah. I would have loved to have been the fly on the wall to see all that. Uh, this is the Cape Space. That's where we are today. We are, these are people in your content wearing capes, whether they be superheroes, whether they be space, whether they be uh, knights of the round table. There is definitely, we are talking about multiple capes today, except capes are really in one of them. It's a twofer. We've been out of, we've been, we haven't been together. So we are hitting up the flash which does have a cape in it and episode one of secret invasion which has very big coats but no capes yet but it's definitely still in the cape space because it's the mcu 100 percent. i mean we we got a little glimpse of james roadie Rhodes, so he's he's a caper you know he does not literally he's a superhero though yeah we have aliens i feel like aliens whether they're wearing capes or not automatically it falls into this where we are um, the, but the, leader, first, the leader of the scrolls is probably a cape wearer. Sorry to interrupt. Go oh, ahead. Oh no, grab. Yeah, we're, we'll get there. But yeah, a hundred percent, the leader of the scrolls when he's grab like legs. out and about on Skrillex, which is what it sounded like they said their planet was called. <laughs> but we'll get there. Planet Skrillex. Yeah, he's definitely rolling around in the cape. But first, we got to hit the quick pieces of nerd news. And God, it feels so great to point to the sky and freeze with you. Let's play that stinger, baby. Quick, 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 quick. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, when I did it by myself, I did the whole freeze, and then I like froze my eyes, and I was like, "Wow, I can go soulless <laughs> if I need to." I for all you casting agents, eyes. for all you casting agents out there, you know, in the, like the next two weeks before we start striking, if you need an actor who like like the podcast like connor ratliff's podcast if you can get an actor with dead eyes i'm right here baby um <laughs> as i briefly touched on we are still in the writer's strike where the sag is about to start striking things are shutting down but we actually do have some news this week we've got trailers some stuff came out alex have you seen the red band trailer for craven the hunter before before you answer i know that like you know ooh scary stuff is hard for you is like ooh knife stabbing is that a lot for you to watch or is that okay no knife stabbing is okay i i it, what what my ooh scary boundary and threshold really is a jump scare which 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 can sometimes if i'm not in the mood exclude a jurassic park movie um oh, so if you're not in so, the mood. <laughs> no i you know i just gotta be i just gotta know the surprise is coming the ring you know the big thing uh but yeah i i i haven't seen this yet to be honest, I one of my first interactions with Spider-Man as a character 
uh, we were a, we were a DC household, so I I didn't really read any Marvel in in my adolescence. Um, but it was a mid issue from, or it was an issue from the middle of the Craven the Hunter, his main arc, from like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and I didn't get it, and he seemed scary, and I just kind of put it down <laughs> like. There was like no fighting in it. It was all just like mental anguish. That's what I remember. And so I, I have this weird aversion to the character. Always have. But wow, like, let's see. Let's see what Sony does with this thing. Like there's zero there's zero recognition of the character. I don't think broadly amongst like your main kind of crossover audience. So let's let's see what they do with this Sony Marvel Spider-Man universe of Sony Marvel characters. Yeah, they. I have seen the trailer, and again, I do work for the company. I will say that to me, you know, as you're make as you're trying to build out these characters, like, and I think I mentioned this on my my solo show last week. You know, Venom is the one that's like the easiest thing to pull from. Like everybody loves Venom. Venom can stand on its own. Venom has had his own comics run. Not not many of these other characters have had their own runs. So the trailer itself, what it does lean into there, there's like one little scene of like some spiders crawling around, which I'm sure is probably all that's in the movie. But I got to say, you know, I, I was very skeptical of the casting of Aaron Taylor Johnson because it, it was supposed to be Keanu for a while. And I'm just like, I don't know how we go from Keanu to Aaron Taylor Johnson, but after watching him in bullet train, have you seen bullet train? I have not. Pretty good movie, not not excellent, but a lot of fun. He is wonderful in it. And so then I was like, oh, okay. And so that's basically, it's like, I'm like, he can carry an action movie. And it's they it's an R-rated movie. Their trailer is a Red Band trailer. And I was like, oh, is it going to be a Red Band trailer? Because at one point he's going to like turn around and go like, you know, you know, take it out back, dick bag, or like, you know, fuck, fuck off, dad, or whatever. You know what I mean? Put that. Usually the Red Band trailers are, are usually like, it's not a horror movie. It's usually because they want to say like, fuck a couple times, pardon my French. Uh, it's, I, I imagined it was because they were going to recreate the scene from the comics where he teabags Spider-Man. <laughs> In the trailer? Yeah, but no, the reason why it's a Red Band trailer is because he like murders people. It is like, there is a lot of stabbing going on. We get a little bit of like what he's like, I'm a little unfamiliar with his like kind of origins and looks like what his origins are is that he's somehow imbued with the blood of animals. And so he gets their kind of instincts. And so it looks, I mean, it looks pretty badass. I'm just going to say straight up. I mean, I'm in. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see. I mean, it, we, we know, we know that it's going to, the Check end of expectations, it, baby. The, the end of it is just going to be him. <laughs> And a vulture and Morbius, and then I don't know, somebody else Ooh, in a jail cell are gonna go like, Hey, we gotta find Venom. And then that's you know, some some tenuous connection. <laughs> we'll that, see, I don't know. I mean oh the, boy. The, the Morbius the thing about Morbius, and I have to be very delicate here. <laughs> when you saw the trailer for Morbius, there still was kind of like a not sure what the tone is going to be. This movie based on trailer seems to have a pretty definitive tone. And I do think it's going to be in kind of 
not in like the silly venom vein, but we are definitely in more, if I could describe it like Safari John Wick, like it's very much like we are leaning into some hand to hand combat. He's going to be <laughs> knifing people and there's going to be some, he's got some quips. There's some quippy stuff. I wish he was doing his British accent from the bullet train. I, his accent, he's doing like a full blown Cockney, like Guy Ritchie accent in Bullet Train. And I just feel like that's how he should. I, mean, I know he's British, but I just only want him to speak like that in movies from now on. But he's doing an American accent. So whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I'm in. I, I'm into it. Yeah, let's let's see. I mean, I definitely, you know, I don't know anything from anything. But if I was involved in the, uh, the in that movie, I would be very, very scared after this weekend with The Flash. I would be very well. We'll get there. We we will very, get there, baby. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think scared. every studio, I think every studio except Disney is worried about that. Um, so because Disney just had a almost billion dollar movie in Guardians Volume Three, which is a good movie, which is kind of what we'll get into when we talk about the Flash. Yeah, but um. I also something coming out next week. I don't know when we're going to touch on this. We'd have to go see it at midnight. But I know that my whole family wants to see this movie, or at least my wife does. Is indie uh, Dial of Destiny coming up? Obviously, you know, in you know, we're in this IP age, and nothing is ever really dead, and yada yada, and you know, AI did the did the credits for Secret Invasion, and robot people are going to be in movies now. So is the idea of that we could do digital Harrison Ford in 10 years. I don't know, probably, but I think they do want it to go on in some capacity. And Kathleen Kennedy says, of course it's possible for Phoebe Waller Bridge's character from dial of destiny to get their own indie movie. Now, of course they have, they're going to want to try to find some way to continue this IP, this juggernaut machine going. Um, I haven't seen the movie. I have no idea. I just love her as a performer. So I'm just like, I, I mean, I can't imagine she's going to be like a, you know, Shia LaBeouf mutt level character. We'll judge it. We'll see what happens. But as long as she's competent, I mean, I'm in. Philly Waller Bridge is awesome. I don't care. Give her her own movie. Let her write. I it. think. I, I think. I. I mean, I agree with all those all those statements, and I, I. I agree with you know she's she's such a unique talent. I think that the problem inherently with trying to like expand Indiana Jones as a piece of IP is like. It's not Godzilla. It's not 007. <laughs> it's Indiana Jones. We're not we're not there like with Star Wars where we maybe it's a world and a universe that we like spending time in per se. This is like we enjoy watching this guy do this thing. And the world he inhabits is our world. It's just like a couple of clicks off of our world with like a couple of weird things going on. So I, I think that it's so inherently wrapped up in him and what he's established that like you know, what do you even like the world of Indiana Jones volume three, the, you know, the whatever I, 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 I an Indiana Jones story. Minus yeah, I, I Indiana mean, I Jones. So. I, I think so. And it's not like you have this tradition of like, I, you know, I brought up 007 because you don't have this tradition of refreshing who that Replacing person is every couple of years or whatever. Um, Which is something I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to say like, it's so weird that people are so reticent to do that now. Like, to me, as I, I'm not judging what I'm going to judge the, the movie as I see it. But if like if you were really interested in this being something that could continue on forever, like I don't think it's blasphemy. And I'd heard this touted before, like whatever. Cast Bradley Cooper as Indiana Jones. I'm not like upset about that. I think he'd do a pretty decent job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I think 
I don't know. My my personal affinity for the property is so tied up in Harrison Ford. Oh, sure, absolutely. I, but know, we're I, so I, scared of doing that now. I think I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I those those are just my my reservations and the idea that like these the first three movies feel like such an organic franchise. Like there was no there was no inherent like sequel follow up that was going to come from any of these movies. It almost feels like they literally were like, hey. rides off into the sunset. They literally ride off into the sunset at the and, end of and, Last Crusade. Yeah, and 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 every step of the of the franchise was just like. Hey, you want like this would be fun to do. Oh, we'll do this. You know, like it just feels feels so much more organic than anything that comes afterwards. And I think I, I don't know. I've I've just been seeing reviews and stuff saying that this is a pretty middle of the road kind of boring meh movie. Like that that by virtue of being worse, Crystal Skull is at least more interesting. Well, we'll judge it for ourselves. I, I'm just more like you know, they're obviously going to be grasping at straws for things, but I just, to talk about Phoebe Waller-Bridge specifically, I just think she's just so unbelievably compelling. And if I had money, I would be like, what do you want to do? Here's money. Do it. Okay, yeah. We can, I, call I, it, we can call it a whatever. We don't have to even call it. You can, we can call it whatever her character's name is and the, you know, uh, the heart of Tafiti. What's like it's a Moana crossover, but anyway, you know what I mean. Like, I, yeah, I, I, actually, like, absolutely. Like all those, you know, the kind of the the old filmic touches that are such a hallmark of that series, and just put her in there, you know, punching Nazis and whatnot. Yeah, I'm into that. She'd have to go back in time, which is what Dial of Destiny is probably positing, but we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> Let's get to last week. I had some news about uh, Batman uh, Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> also, what is it called? Man, the brave, man, the just, brave and Bold. You don't have to go back in time to punch Nazis. <laughs> this Kenny, is, you know what? Also, well, well, well put. You can <laughs> yes, go to uh, uh, you can go to the storming of the Capitol on January sixth, or you could go whatever is going to happen at it's Donald Trump's first court hearing. Um, yeah, last week I talked about Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, about how it now has a director. <laughs> what is it called? Is it called Brave and Bold? Bold and the Brave Beautiful? Brave and the Bold. Bold and Thank the Beautiful. Um, so not for nothing. I mean, there hasn't been any casting news, but Jensen Ackles, who uh, was in the TV show Supernatural, which I'm like, whatever, but was freaking wonderful in season three of The Boys. I'm forgetting his character name now. He was the uh, Captain America-esque person did you watch you watch the boys or no i i'm not caught up on the boys he plays i'm forgetting his name it's not homelander and i just don't i don't have the time i had it before we started uh recording and now i don't he plays basically like the captain america um but in the boys universe it's called like major something i know he's part of like a thing from the 40s he's got super soldier serum but he's just like a total dick and it's it's great he was really really good in it he's saying he wants to play batman and i'm like all right, sure. I don't know if I love that choice, but I'm, you know, I'm here for people throw, wanting to throw their hat in the ring. Why not? Yeah, I sure. I mean, this is this. I want to be Batman. Make that a new story. You know, like who doesn't? <laughs> like it. <laughs> Actor from episode five of Jury Duty throws his hat in the ring for Batman. You heard it first, everybody. Thank you. Hollywood. Yeah, that's up. me. That's me. The guy that jerked off the Pacific Rim Uprising says, put me in the cowl, cowards. 
<laughs> did you did you see this? I didn't put this in the quick hits, but uh, I because I didn't know if we were going to touch on it, but I think it's apropos of what we're talking about here. Apparently, some guy from literally from the Bold and the Beautiful soap opera star who was apparently potentially one of the people to be up to play Superman. He put together some sort of like stunt reel that he like showed with like his eyes like firing like, and I'm just like so thirsty, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> James Gunn's gonna make his choice. The guy knows what he's doing. Like, just chill out, yeah. man. It's there, but you know, Hollywood is littered with with a, a bevy of self submitted, self produced audition tapes. You know, Sean Young. Oh God, uh, Sean Young for Catwoman. I think uh, Josh Hutcherson oh, one put the, one together for Spider Man. He um, really did. Yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen that yeah, one. It's yeah, like which credible. I, I totally, I'd totally give it to Josh Hutcherson. I think he would have been a really great choice. Um, uh, Andrew Garfield, all day, every day, baby. Uh, I just don't want a Brit anymore in that role. You give that to an American boy, or at oh. least a Canadian. I don't know what he is, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I I'm very interested to see what this Batman's going to look like. I'm really, really interested, especially well, based on what we just wanted- saw this week. Yeah, I was gonna say based on like your no- your knowledge of this comic run, like if, is there any name off the top of your head that of somebody that you would want to see in the role? It, this is a, like kind of a split thing because in terms of like the name, the comic book run was, from my knowledge, it was like an anthology series. There was no real kind of through line of the character. It was more about teaming Batman with other people. Um, so that it was like, I think Batman was the anchor character and you'd see him team up with green lantern or green arrow or whatever throughout the brave and the bold. Um, but here they've said they're going to focus on a relationship between Batman and his son, uh, Damien, who is like his, his son with, uh, Talia Al Ghul, R- Rash Al Ghul's daughter. So Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Yeah. Played, played famously by Marion, uh, by by Amelie, right? She was Amelie. Yeah. No, she's not Amelie. She is um, from La Vie and Rose. That's who I'm thinking of. That yeah. Edith Piaf, right? Yes. Who knows? French. Amelie anyway. is um, Audrey, Audrey Tattoo. Yeah, Man, and then like, I can was... know that name, but I don't know Jensen Ackles' character's <laughs> name from The Boys. What is up? Domination by me. Thank you, Dean Winchester. Anyway, I I uh, I think that <laughs> I think you need. Probably somebody a couple of clicks younger than, uh, let's say, uh, what's his face? The dude we like who played the Marshal in Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Ooh. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant. I would. I. That's the thing. I don't I don't know the age of this Batman, but I think him and the cow would be pretty excellent. I, I think you need a Batman who's been in operation for quite a while, not necessarily the Ben Affleck version we saw, but somebody who is kind of at the peak of his crime fighting career. Maybe who's I, I'd be interested to see if this Batman has had a sidekick before this kid shows up. Well, don't worry if the, the director of the flash is going to be bringing that to life. So there'll be some questionable effects the whole time. <laughs> oh, gee, it'll every, every, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah. Let's hit that. I want to, I want to kind of actually, we have a lot to get to in the big, in the big broadcast. Um, So speaking of Sony and spider verse, Sony universe of Marvel spider characters in the bluff there, it was announced that, and I mentioned this last week, even when they were talking about the reshuffling of the Sony schedule and how they're, they'd given two definitive dates for Marvel films and they would say that one of those films could be the announced El Muerto comic 
starring Bad Bunny, that has now been pulled from Sony's release schedule. The movie isn't necessarily dead. They said it's still in development, but it's not in active production, which they're saying is because of the writer's strike, which, I mean, I'm surprised we're still striking after that news that the Bad Bunny El Muerto movie isn't happening. Like, I feel there's be a lot of shame there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we can all agree that that we all had sort of red lines in our mind around when, when collective what is it? action, what is it? Yeah. What is enough. it too far? <laughs> what, what are we fighting for? And I think this has given pause to a lot of people in the, uh, in the organizations. I, that's all I'll say. Yeah. I will, to give some background, I'm not familiar with this character in the slightest, but Same. it is, it is, which is like what we're doing now. You know, once you've done Venom, once you've done Craven, once Vulture was already in another movie and Mysterio was already in another movie, Unless you're going to give a Mysterio or a Vulture movie and an, or an Electro, like they've already they've already pulled all the biggest names. So now we're digging deep into the you know into the you know Craven is like kind of the last kind of big name one. So El Muerto, I'm a little unfamiliar, but it was going to be the first um, Latinx led um, Sony Marvel any any sort of Marvel property that's Latinx led. We have, are getting Blue Beetle that's DC led. So that was the only thing that was interesting about it. And Bad Bunny again, bring up Bullet Train. He was a decent actor in that movie, and he's obviously a, just a total heartthrob and um, and an excellent singer. But I mean, I don't, I doubt El Muerto was about you know being a heartthrob. I think he was like a, I don't know, he's a villain. I don't know. This is this to me is not necessarily. I think any of the so announced Sony. Um, spider movies until they're in production. I think any of them could come and go. I think that's how loose they are. They have, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think, I think it's nice to be in business with bad bunny. I think it's another thing to go, okay, we're trying to make trims here in a year where we're not going to be making as much profit. You know, I think it's easy to look at El Morto. We're like, we're talking about it. We have a pretty deep level of familiarity and we don't know anything about this guy. So to like stake any of these hopes on something like that is like, yeah, you, You've got your out now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guess what? We'll find something else to plop them in. Uh, thinking yeah. of Speaking of plopping in or who's not going to be plopping in, Marvel, who was originally announced to be at Comic-Con, has said they're actually psych. We're not going to be at Comic-Con this year, which, you know, is a move. I definitely think it is. I think they've got things they need to announce. They've shifted schedules around. And I had mentioned last week they moved up Deadpool. I got to assume they have to. I, my assumption was they moved up Deadpool and then, then at comic-con they were going to roll everybody out and show some footage from deadpool 3 which is being done without a writer on set it's, it's extremely weird but it's happening um i don't know do you have any like heartfelt thoughts about marvel kevin feige not being on stage for an hour i i mean that's such a kind of a marquee thing you know marvel in hall h at comic-con is such a iconic you know iconic matchup and that they're just that they're only now announcing that they're not going to be there what is it, like a month ahead of oh it's, i think it's even the, less i think it's less yeah. than a month i think so that's this weird is, I, well i think this is another this is a direct result of the strike and i think if people are upset about this then they should hit up people like jeffrey zasloff or zasloff and jeff bezos and all the people at the head of these studios and let them know how upset they are because of their shenanigans and refusing to negotiate with the writers. That's why these projects are getting pushed. So Marvel doesn't, they don't have, they have the Marvels. They have Deadpool, which is currently shooting. Supposedly I'd still like even Zazie beats herself. As I mentioned last week was like, I'm not in it, but I don't know how they can be shooting right now, <laughs> but 
and uh, Brave New World is, but that's it. They don't have anything else that can be in production right now. So they're definitely, oh, and the TV properties, Loki and um, Echo, I think has finished um, photography and Ironheart was shooting. So that might be it, but they don't have as much. They can't announce anything. They can't announce a cast of Fantastic Four because they can't write the script. You know what I mean? So I think this is like, this should be a direct. So if you're upset about this, don't be upset at Marvel. Be upset at Disney for not negotiating with the writers. Period. End of story. This is like the kind of the trickle down of these these things. Yeah. Pay the freaking writers. One last thing, and then we'll, we'll get to the into the meat and potatoes. Um, I don't. We haven't even touched on. I know you did see Spider Verse finally. I, I, one of my favorite characters, as I said last week, was Spider Punk. I just thought he was just compelling. I thought the way he was drawn was just absolutely so interesting. Apparently, in beyond, in beyond the Spider Verse, we are going to be delving more into his world, which I'm just like, make that a whole movie. Make that a whole movie, and I would be very happy. I don't care. Like he was so. I'm there. The way I had said that, like he, it's like he was drawn, like he was like a flyer for like a shitty punk show in someone's basement. Like that's how he was drawn. Like that was like the note. I just thought that was so smart. I thought it was so interesting. I I already loved the character prior to even seeing. But and then just, you know, Daniel Kaluuya getting actually to speak with his proper accent. He's always playing American. It's nice to just be like, <laughs> oh, I can just walk down the street and just go into the booth. Yeah, let's go. Bruv, I'm there. Believe. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, 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 I can't wait to see what his world looks like. And, you know, does it could possibly not look anything like him. You know, he's oh, so <laughs> that's fascinating. I because we only saw it through his eyes. I just like I, I mean, I'm just that that was one of the I mean, one of these days down there, maybe when it comes out on DVD and we run a lull time, we'll do an across the Spider-Verse proper because just the like level of attention put into every single person's earth is just I mean, I don't know, like I'm genuinely like worried for the filmmakers because I'm like, y'all have really like. You were you were challenged and you met that challenge. Are you gonna be able to meet this challenge again? Like, holy cow! I don't I don't know. Yeah, same. And, and even you know, even if this doesn't, you know, like the next movie doesn't blow this out, you know, the visual you know aspect or whatever. Even if it just kind of matches what we've already seen, it's like I'm a total win. Yeah. I it it I've never seen something that's so well simulated like reading a comic book, but in but but using the language of film and exploiting film and uh, yeah I, I one of the it's it's such a great movie anyway yeah but we'll yeah we'll, we'll do it on another, another it time at some point but right now we it, we are on the uh, fan controlled sports and entertainment network fan controlled TV podcast feed one piece of sports news Alex I went to the paddock last week what, just for you will you take us back to the paddock to this week. I'm going to take us back and I'm going to take us back to last weekend and actually wish a happy 50th anniversary to the Formula One safety car, which uh, it marked its uh, first deployment uh, 50 years ago um, when uh, when Epi Vitzes drove a souped up Porsche 915 uh, onto the onto the track to try and gain control of a flooded race course. Uh, he immediately wound up taking the wrong position and caused hours of confusion after the race as they tried to figure out who actually won. So we want to actually, 
wish a happy 50th anniversary to the first deployment of the safety car. <laughs> I think that's critical. <laughs> that, that sounds like something harrowing. That that person yeah, who's to- driving in the totally screwed car. it up. Amazing. Um, I this week, uh, I just want to point out that BC Lions have now started out 2-0. I'm very I learned this week after watching so much alternative football, the XFL, the USFL, now that the CFL is back. I really love this league. Um, I just love that because unlike these other leagues that are touted, which is fine, and the fan control football is the same way, they tout themselves as being a uh getting you taped so you can get to the next level. Whereas a lot of people in the CFL are like, this is where I'm playing. But I want to point out this week, we talked about a lot how in the XFL, the championships, a uh, a team with a losing record made it into the playoffs. The USFL playoffs start this week. And if you're an alternative league, you need to really just go top four teams. You can't do divisions. Alex, there's two divisions in the USFL. In one division, every team is above 500. In the other division, every team is below 500. So two, two, four, and six teams will play this weekend. Uh, my Pittsburgh Maulers and the Philadelphia Stars will play to play for a chance for the championship game. And then the top two teams in the other division will play. And two teams that have two more wins than teams in the playoffs are sitting at home watching. So... That doesn't make any sense to me. It's a pretty easy fix. Just do top four teams done. This is ridiculous. That's all I'm saying on that. No, <laughs> I, like I've said before, like I've said before, we're talking about it. It causes controversy. It's a good thing. This is true. And watch like, you know, the Pittsburgh Maulers at four and six win the title. Who knows? Whatever. But I mean, you know, the and the Dallas Renegades, they put their money where their mouth is and they deserved it. But at the same time, I'm like. Y'all, what's the point of we're doing this? If you're just like seeing, it's like they have to show on TV. They're like, "Ooh, big matchup next week against the Maulers and the Philadelphia Stars. And I'm like, but they're both four and six teams. And we just watched two teams that are better than them play. I'm like, oh, whatever. Anyway, pretty easy fix there, Alex. You know, great sponsor last week with uh, the video store that doesn't doesn't have porn. Um, Do we have, you know, I know you've had a couple extra weeks here. You were back on the East Coast. You know, you had a you were able to get, cast that wider net in terms of our underwriting for the show. What who's our sponsor for the show this week? Actually, our sponsor for the show this week is somebody from close to home. I'm I'm actually in the valley this week, and a, a local retailer okay. here reached out. Uh, it's Randy's Knights of the Round Table Gaming and more. And okay. they're uh, so I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, M- Magic the Gathering, the collectible card game, just launched a new expansion line that is tied in with Lord of the Rings. There's a branding part, a licensing Ooh, partnership between the two. So officially, it's the first one that I'm aware of in this in this sphere. And so Randy's Knights of the Round Table is going all out. Uh, they're having uh, events all weekend long to celebrate the this expansion deck. They um, they're gonna have a tournament. So it, and, 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 you know, the winner of the tournament, uh, you, you're, you're going to compete for prizes, all sorts of uh, things there. Actually, they have one. It, there's the Hobbit challenge in the tournament. Whoever has the most boring and unnecessarily long game will win the Hobbit challenge. Uh, so they'll get a ribbon for that. Um, and also, actually, they just announced this, that the the first place winner of the tournament will get to kill the second place player with a sword. Um, and they want they want to let everybody know that uh, they want to make it very clear minorities are welcome. So that's <laughs> Randy's Knights of the Round Table gaming and more. I love that the most boring story wins. 
It's well, it's mo- unnecessarily long. Yeah, and unnecessarily boring. long. Yes, yeah, because that's the like it's almost like the Battle of the Five Armies award. Um, yeah. All right. So our main topic, we got a twofer here. We're going to be talking about the Flash. Let's talk about the Flash first, and then we'll talk about Episode One of Secret Invasion. Um, let's talk about the Flash. We have both seen this movie. This movie has already been labeled after making. This is where we are in fandom right now. A movie that made $55 million its opening weekend has been called a box office disaster. That is where we are in mm-hmm. the business, in fandom. Apparently, it's going to lose like $1.1 billion. I don't I don't understand the business enough. Like, even when I think I have a grasp on it, the fact that I'm like, this movie is already like one of the biggest disasters ever. That being said, we have to take it for what it is and what we saw. Uh, here's a quick recap. I will try to make this short even though there's a lot to do because this movie's plot, there's a lot going on. Essentially, The Flash, uh, Barry Allen is operating as The Flash, is still lamenting the fact, the loss of his mother and father. Um, He learns that he can travel back in time at the behest of uh, Ben Affleck. Batfleck tells him to not do it. He goes back in time, does something little, doesn't actually like prevent the murder of his mother, but does something that will just um, turn the tides slightly. That goes back while he's trying to travel back. Some weird guy pushes him out. He ends up to where in it's the now the earth where he is 19 years old. Uh, things are totally different. He then has to he then has to empower himself. The 19 year old version he loses his powers while doing that. He then Zod comes to Earth. No one's there to stop Zod, so he has to stop Zod. He has to get his powers back. He enlists the help of Michael Keaton's Batman which we'll talk about this for 45 years because it was wonderful. And then yeah. they, and then there's a bunch of Guga and it all gets fixed, sort of. Uh, that's the basic gist of the movie. Alex, what was your reaction to it? Meh, I, I don't know. There were parts of it that I really liked and enjoyed. I think from a visual standpoint, they really nailed quite a bit. I liked Ben Affleck's Batman. I liked Michael Keaton's yes. Batman. Um, yes. I I think that they tried to have a lot of this go both ways. They they wanted you to they they wanted to be able to have this be a wrap up to the DCU, be an eventized sort of bow tying, but maybe not be, but also just be the Flash. And at least that's how I feel in my assessment of it. I, I don't know what I was supposed to come away with from this movie, and. And by the way, they've been like trying to make this in one form or another for like, I don't know, 12 years or something like it would, you know, it would it would cost that much money if it took you that long to make a damn movie like one point one billion dollars. I, I don't know. There there. It was sort of fun, I guess. There were parts of it that were I mean, there was it wasn't as bad as like let's call let's say like you know batman superman or justice league Um, pretty much almost everything in the dcu besides wonder woman and shazam (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i appreciate the ambition i appreciate the ambition and i definitely like you know the director isn't necessarily responsible in this case for what the movie's gonna do in the box office totally and i think i think that this is a very worthy sort of sizzle reel application for the job of director of the next Batman movie, especially like a more superhero oriented Batman movie, as opposed to like the Batman. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I wish they'd shelved this. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wish I was like, I was like, so Batwoman is worse or not as good or whatever than this. Like, like they should have yeah, pulled the plug on this. The this... minute, the minute that 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 uh, what's their face? Uh, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller. The minute that Ezra Miller gets arrested in Hawaii, if they had a crystal ball seeing this weekend, they would go back and unplug the movie at that point. Oh, they had the hundred million percent. They had the out to get to get rid of it and just like we spend this next spend the next year getting their ducks in a row and then probably winding up hiring James Gunn anyway and yeah. and give all the momentum to that and and make it seem like something is being considered rather than i don't know spaghetti at the wall sort of i don't know i can appreciate how winky they were with some pieces of continuity and canon and lore especially at the very end i can yes, appreciate we'll, we'll how get, winky we'll they get were to that. we'll get to that yes but but there's also like I, I don't know. Maybe we're all victims of this new world where the interconnectedness makes things matter in a way that they maybe don't, maybe shouldn't have to, but they do. You've told us that yes. everything matters. And, and, and especially in this movie where like the butterfly effect is in like full display. I, if I could interject real quick. Yeah. Um, because I want to talk about before we get too deep. Because I want to talk about my reaction to it, and then I because th I think we'll just kind of meld into the conversation that we're already kind of having here. Is to me, like during the movie, there were a lot of things. Like I was laughing. I was like, well, I'm like, that's a funny bit. Like there was like things that were happening. I thought Ezra Miller's performance was up and down. I thought his initial take is that take that you've always hated is like he's so. Um, jittery and stuff, but I thought once he kind of got back in time, I I was I was like laughing at stuff, and then there was parts where like Michael Keaton is like that's the thing about this movie is that Michael Keaton is like in this movie is Batman and it's freaking awesome, <laughs> but then yeah, then the problem though that I kind of have with it is like there's a lot of questions, not a lot, but there are some major questions I have, and those questions are louder than the things that I really, really liked. Because I actually, like, if you were to ask me, like, leaving the theater, I had a lot of fun. I was laughing. I was, like, into stuff. But then after I step away and start, like, thinking and assessing, like, I had initial questions right away. And then as things go on, I have more and more questions. And those get so loud. And the fact that they are just not addressed and we were toted this thing is like, hey, man, the reason why we didn't shelve this bad boy is because it's so freaking good and like it's going to blow your mind and then when you watch it you get a lot of the same kind of dceu guga it's like why what was so like great is it just because michael keaton which was great but like i said there was a lot of questions that it left like to me there were so there just wasn't like in terms of plot and i also to this movie also too i think is has to be held up to Spider-Man No Way Home, just in terms of the fact that you are bringing alternate universes, characters who have played this other characters in, stuff like that. And the thing that I think worked really well in No Way Home is the fact that not only did they bring those characters back, but they gave those characters 
some sort of like either resolutions or motivations. It tied into specifically the character, you know, the character of Peter Parker at that point in his life was trying to figure out who he is supposed to be on his own. He doesn't have a mentor in that movie. He has to, who is he? And so these two representations of himself. And then you had that great moment of Andrew Garfield, like saving Zendaya, which was like parallels his time. This was just like, Hey guys, Batman's in this movie. Like that was it. There wasn't like any sort of like, and not only was it not even like the justification of it. And there, his character wasn't given anything other than like, Hey, they didn't need me anymore. That's why, that's why I'm a recluse. I'm a recluse. I'm a billionaire who fought crime and done a, And then they didn't need me anymore. And then I just stopped doing anything is just a wild take, but then there's not, right. there isn't really like a redemption for it. Also, too, here's another big question. I'm, I asked a lot here. I'm sorry. <laughs> why in the hell, like as much as I enjoyed having him, why is Michael Keaton the only person who is a different person? Like, why is it? He goes back in time and we got some like, oh, Eric Stoltz is still is in is Marty McFly. And we had that whole conversation. But every person still looks like their person who they were. Like he, he, like his mom doesn't look different. His mom is, looks exactly the same. But yet, for whatever reason, Batman is a totally different person. What in the world? That why 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 is that the choice? It was that these are questions that I was asking after the fact that I was like, oh, that didn't make sense. That didn't make sense because I was blinded by just, wow, he's going down that silo and he's like kicking and punching and this is amazing. You know I, what I mean? Well, anyway, I, I'll, I'll stop think- for a second. I, I think I think it goes back to that having it both ways thing where they they took a chance to be winky about something. Now I I, I buy I, I buy Batman's inclusion there. I mean he's just like he's I trying to. I mean they're they're he's trying, trying to, to get, form his Justice League or whatever, sure, right? A hundred percent. It's like I get it, but like why specifically? But the, is Michael the, the White Batman? I, yeah, I think I think that you know they're they're breaking the continuity in a way that makes it convenient for them to do this wink, which takes you out. Totally. A hundred percent. And it totally takes you out of it. And, and like as much as like, I loved and appreciated the performance, there's like, you know, look in the original comic book storyline, when the flash breaks reality and goes back or whatever, things have changed such that Bruce Wayne was killed and Martha Wayne was killed and Thomas Wayne is the avenging Batman, Bruce's father. So that, that, you know, there you get this older, more brutal version of Batman in the flashpoint universe, which they sort of, they allude to, but back away from and having this like reclusive Keaton Batman. I, I think it's just, you can, you can sort of Guga explain it away, but it, it really, it really is a weird choice to make. Like when you, if you're not going to explain it, yeah, which they don't, because then it, and that's go ahead, because yeah, they don't, they don't explicitly also then say, oh, he shifted into Batman '89 world, right? Yes, it's, yes, it's because that, then, thank you. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, he just no, he just created this alternating reality that has all these different changes, like Eric Stoltz, and like, so yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of shunt universe where all these things are different, but it's different in a very specific and convenient way. And yeah, just like kind of like takes you out. Yeah. And it's an after, it's like an after the fact thing, because like when I was watching it, like even the like introduction of him, the like fight scene in the kitchen set to 25, six, two, four, I'm like, this is, I'm loving this. This is great. It was like, 
you know, hit. I was like, this is great. I love this. This is, I thought he was so much fun. But then as I'm thinking about it, after the fact, I'm like, so are you positing to me that the Batman movies that I grew up with, like Batman and Batman Returns, that the Keaton Batman movies are the result of this variant thing that because of the flashpoint, because of moving the tomato can and or putting putting the tomato can in the thing. So all of my Keaton Batman stuff, or is this a whole other bat? That's you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> the questioning behind it is is just and they just kind of are like, don't we don't have time to even process that. We're just gonna keep moving, baby. Don't even worry about it. And it's like, come on. Shut like, up and eat your cotton candy. Basically, and it's like the different I think, like I said, you gotta compare it to no way home in that they did all that. They gave us all the cotton candy, but it was motivated by character, you know? And if the stronger choice would have, I mean, but you don't have it. The stronger choice would have been to have them be like flash variants, you know, but we don't have that. So now we're just saying, and then the fact that at the end, I was just thinking about this this morning, the fact that at the end in the post credit scene, they basically, he says like, yeah, for whatever reason, Batman's always different, but you're the same. I'm like, why would you call out your own, like the stuff that you didn't do in the movie? Like, why would you do that? That's so weird. Yeah, (laughs) because you can and because it's winky and because it's fun and because Because you've already- Because there is no Aquaman. There's no Aquaman we can pull from. We can pull all these other Batmans, but we can't pull an Aquaman and we can't have a- We'll get to Superman in a second. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think- I think you there's a lot of different ways you could have done this if you had you know if you had one legitimate unified creative vision from the beginning but it's such I mean by the time you get to the Muschetti's to make this movie it's gone through like four or five distinct creative teams aspects of which you can see the fingerprints of throughout the movie I'm like there's so much of that that I was like oh that's there's that's obviously a Lord and Miller bit that they kept um oh yeah the whole opening sequence like the whole opening sequence with the babies which i mean i thought was a lot of fun but we'll get to the cgi in a second of that of the whole movie but i liked that whole bit the whole batman scene of the the first like the fact that we i the whole time i was watching that opening sequence of like you know the babies which is not like i'm like the director of it made this like goofy thing with the babies. Like, no way. This is definitely, you're right. This is a Lord and Miller bit. (laughs) But like, then you have this like really cool bridge sequence with Batman. And you, it made me think like, how, why was it so hard for you all to just give Ben Affleck a Batman movie? Like that's would have seemed like really freaking cool. And then you could have brought Michael Keaton in or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why did we never do that? You know why you couldn't get Ben Affleck a, a Batman movie? Because he wasn't just going to be the Batman. Like the whole thing was tied up in him creating the movie and writing. And and so if he can't come up with a story that satisfies him, you don't get a Ben Affleck movie. And his Oh, that's right. His, I forgot that his he bar, was going to do all that. Yeah. And so like he's not trying to he's not thinking with executive brain. He's thinking like, I gotta make a good story, make something that makes sense. And I, I think that ultimately is what, you know, he, the fact that he wasn't just the actor on the thing, which might have been wise, you know, I, I you know, for him, well, based so, now, so hindsight, wind up in a sure. bad Batman movie. Totally. But I mean, I just looking at him in his outfit and I was like, oh, that's right. He was going to do this whole, um, I just, I, I just, there's a lot there that I think we just never got to see because he was, it just was a mistake anyway. But 
you know, those were good sequences there. And there are a lot of good, like this whole silo escaped getting um, Kara L was all really cool. I mean, there's like cool stuff in this movie. But like I said, it's like the stuff that doesn't work is so loud. And like the loudest yeah. thing, the loudest thing that doesn't work in this movie is the CGI is just is at times so unbelievably terrible and so confusing that again, we were told this was going to be this really great movie, but I'm like, but, and you've had forever. They've been movies been on the shelf for a long time. And I don't want to like take anything away from the work that these people do. I'm sure people worked very, very hard on this film, but it just at times just doesn't work period. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. This, this, the, 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 Look, I'm used to a lot of these special effects coming out of the valley, but not staying in the uncanny valley. You know what I'm saying? It, it really, I, I think, that, and I think that to double down and say, well, that's how it looks when the flash is going super fast or whatever is like, oh, so you know, you you the way that you're kind of having it both ways. You could have had him say, you know, it's funny whenever I go super fast, everything around me looks like bad CGI, and then oh, then you're like, oh. The cool. <laughs> so like to me, like the most like I don't want to like again, I don't want to like shit on people who do this work. It's extremely hard. But some of these things I feel were not necessarily the fault of the people. I think it was a, either somebody's choice, whether it was the studio or whatever. But the choice to make the thing that looked the worst to me and I was like a confounding like, why are you doing it like this? is I liked the whole like flash as he's traveling through time. I liked the kind of speed bubble he was in. And I liked that as he ran forward, like different things in his life would go forwards and back. I thought that whole mechanics of it was cool, but rather than just like having the actors be there and like, take like a little in front of a green screen, like it's almost like a hollow net thing in star Wars and have it like that. They did these weird, like animated versions of the people, and they just look weird and crazy. And like, I think you wrote me like Polar Express Two Flashpoint. I knew that was exactly yeah. what you were talking about because it's weird. It doesn't look good. It looks really weird. I, I think I think that if they had made the choice to push the graphical style of what the the like the speed force or hyper speed looks like. That would have kind of, I think that could have helped like staunch some of these problems, but it, it's so uncanny valley, dead eye sort of weirdness because they, because of the fidelity with which they've tried to digitally reproduce a human figure is, you know, I, I'm will, I, I keep thinking, oh, they, they must have showed these guys some proof of concept tech thing that sold them on the idea of doing large sequences in it and it, it didn't work or whatever, but it, it just looks goofy so yes, much. It looks so goofy and it looks like, you know, I like what you were saying. Like maybe there is a way where because we're in the speed force and things should be a little distorted, but they don't look distorted. They look like cartoon versions of people. And it's like, what? It doesn't like, if you want to make it look a little off, I think you can do that. Like put a, I'm like, I don't know how to do this stuff. I, again, I don't want to shit on the work of these people. I think this is more like a directorial, probably more like a studio choice, frankly, but like it just worth then. And then, and then, so the big, like the big thing that happens is we get these like kind of multiple universes. So 
I'll ask you this question. When did you know that the guy who pushed Barry out of the speed bubble after he had made the subtle change, when did you know that that was actually Barry from the future who did that? When did you figure that out? I kind of, I mean, I think I knew that was him the whole time. I think that the, I knew that there was going. Is that, a, is that from the comic? Is that a Flashpoint thing? It, I mean, it happens in the TV show a lot. Ish. I think, I mean, I think I also might might have seen a spoiler, but the idea that there's another Flash that's out there and you're already dealing, you already know you're going to be dealing with variants of Barry. I, I figured it was an alternate universe Barry or something, but the idea that it was an older version or whatever, I I, I kind of didn't expect that. But yeah, knowing, I, I thought that it was like a, a time mad Flash from the very beginning. Yeah, the fact that we didn't see him again for a while, I was like, well, then it, and then when he first got the like uh, when 19 year old Barry got the kind of sword in his arm, that's when I was like, oh, that's who that is. We haven't we haven't needed to see him because we've seen him the whole movie. That's when it made sense. But there's this whole kind of battle happens because basically um, young Barry. This is the thing I did enjoy about the movie, about the, the final, the battle with Zod stuff. A lot of that stuff worked really well. Again, the action sequences really work. And the fact that like people died, like, no, in this scenario, which again, this is Tim Burton's Batman world, I guess. Batman dies and Kara dies in this and you can't fix it. Like that was something that I found really interesting and compelling. And then we got... <laughs> these like other universes because they started fighting in their kind of speed bubble. And then we saw a bunch of other speed bubbles. And in those, we got George Reeves. We saw like a black and white kind of bubble universe walking toward flying towards us. That was George Reeves as Superman. And then that flash is one of the original flashes, right? So the, the guy in the helmet that you see is a depiction of the character Jay Garrick, who is the original Flash that was created in like 1938 uh, by National Comics or whatever DC was at the time. Same origin story, basically. He gets exposed to what they called at the time hard water. Oh, I want to talk about some... this, the, the, the way he gets his powers in a second, but we, we got to wrap this up soon, but go ahead. <laughs> Oh yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's, he's, you've seen his character portrayed in the flash TV show. And I think by that same actor maybe, but yeah, it's that, that was cool to me. He's a member of the justice society. You love your justice society, that JSA stuff. So then we get that. Then we get, we go into another world and it's like, this is the thing where I feel like DC was trying or like the DCEU was trying to like have a kind of nostalgia moment, but they don't have a lot of nostalgia except Batman's to pull from. So they got, right. they pulled out a Superman and it comes out and it's Christopher Reeve, which was like kind of cool. Like definitely like, you know, I think it's where, I mean, we're obviously operating in a weird space. He's been, he's been deceased for quite some time. You know, we did, we've already had Grand Moff Tarkin, whatever. He wasn't talking. And then Helen Slater flies up. Don't feel like that was necessary. I don't think we have any sort of like uh, nostalgia for Supergirl, a movie that is notoriously terrible. And then we go to something that I so unbelievably loved. And then at the same time was like, why did we do it this way? Which is we go into a universe and we see a long haired Batman. And in the back of my head, I was like, holy shit. If that's freaking Nick Cage's Batman or Superman, I am going to fucking flip out. Pardon my French. Story goes, if you don't know, Tim Burton was making a Superman movie. 
Nicolas Cage was cast as Superman. They were very deep into production. Like they were full. They were, they had costumes there. You can find them online. You can see Nicolas Cage doing camera tests, all kinds of stuff. Whole film got scrapped, but we finally got this, you know, Superman that it was Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage. It, so the, every actor that we've mentioned so far, like obviously Helen Slater is still alive, but she's they young, but Christopher, Christopher Reeves, not alive. Uh, uh, George Reeves. George Reeves. George Reeves is not alive. Nicholas Cage is a human. Helen Slater is alive, but they pulled her from the movie. They can pull that the footage. You know what I mean? Exists. Which what they did for Christopher Reeve was clearly footage from one of the Superman movies. Nicholas Cage is a living actor, like (laughs) living actor, and they chose to make like a digital Nicholas Cage, and it just looked silly. Like I loved the fact that we were doing this, that we were like giving a shout out to the people who really know what's going on. There's a Nicholas Cage Superman that almost happened, but I'm like, can you can't just bring him to set for a day and like, just do like, like, why, why did we have to like make a cartoon Nicholas Cage? It was so weird. It was such a weird it, choice. I think at a certain point you have to go, wait a minute. We can't have just these one little bits and pieces look like bullshit. Pardon my French. We have to go back and make all the bullshit look the same. It has to all look muddy and weird. It's so, so weird because there might you, be we, footage of Nicolas Cage out there somewhere that they shot for this, but they're like, no, he can't. We can't put real life drawing breath Nicolas Cage next to digital Helen Slater. It'll be like Bugs Bunny next to next to uh, Sidney Poitier, LeBron, LeBron James, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Um, yeah, it was such a choice. It was such a thing. I mean, obviously, Cage got like money for it. They're not just going to like <laughs> robotically make Nicolas Cage. I mean, and maybe uh, who's wh- who's to say? Maybe like they came in and did some like pictures of his face or whatever. Who knows? But it was I, such a there, weird. There, we got. Go there, ahead. there may be paperwork somewhere that Warner Brothers, at least as far as Nicolas Cage being Superman. They own that likeness somehow because he signed up for the movie. So oh I'm, I'm curious that what that be, deal was like if they had to pay like likeness rights for that him. would be that would be incredible. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's this movie. I know we got to move on to Secret Invasion here. The the movie itself was like, did I enjoy myself? A hundred percent. I thought it was a lot of fun, but at the same time, I was like, there was a lot of questions. Why does Batman know so much about quantum physics? You know, like Batman is explaining time travel to like. We, Michael Keaton's Batman was never established as like a, you know, Bruce Banner level intellect. In it. I'm not saying he's dumb, but like he knows quantum theory, like and then their whole explanation of like, it's not like it's a branch. It's like an X. And I was like, what? And then why? <laughs> why is George Clooney now Batman? I mean, as much as I loved seeing George Clooney, well, I mean, hell, that's incredible. I mean, that's like a massive, massive to have to do that is like fun. And I loved it fun yeah but at the same time it's like he walked around thinking that everything was fine every single person was still the same person <laughs> why is batman now a di- why is bruce wayne a different person why because because he changed <laughs> the cans he made a change he made a change he i know changed things. but why did it why did it take him walking around iris west is still the same his dad is still exactly the same the person in the courthouse still the same everyone is still the same but yet, for whatever reason, Bruce Wayne is the only person who he's now seen three of is Bruce Wayne. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I just my main takeaway. I'm just glad that Bradley Cooper's character from Licorice Pizza 
finally got to see their big idea on the on the screen, which was that Superman should fight a giant spider. I think we took the scenic route to get there, but John Peters, we salute you wherever you are. Was that the that was supposed to, that was like a Tim Burton plot line, right? Fighting no, a giant John Peters. John Peters controlled the Superman film rights, and whoever was going to do it, it famously he had demand. I think he. Kevin Smith wrote the script for the Burton Batman uh, Superman. That's movie, right. Yes. And John Peters said, you have to include a scene where Superman fights a giant spider. I knew that was, I knew that there was something to the fighting of the giant spider. I knew that. Oh my God. Incredible. I love Bradley Cooper in that movie. It's great. Although why is she, that is statutory rape that movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> is this movie Star Trek or Star Wars? This movie is, uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to say again, this is a, a black hole. This is a, this is trying trying to have both and and attaining the heights of neither. I think this is Star Trek uh, for Undiscovered Country in that it's Star Trek. It has all the Star Trek things, but it's got some laugh moments like Star Trek Four does. That's my take right. there. Who's your big winner? You. Who's your big winner for this? Uh, Jay Garrick, The Flash. Uh, you know, I think it's it's that that's always been one of my favorite character designs ever with the the kind of the doughboy Mercury helmet with the wings on it. And I'm glad that movie audiences, uh, you know, 17 of them got to see that <laughs> on the big screen. Uh, my, I'll go off that too. My big winner is, uh, I don't know. I'll say Kid Me by seeing just seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again was pretty fantastic. I also think just seeing Nicolas Cage as Superman is just like, holy cow, we got to make that movie now. Um, it's, we don't have to delve too much into losers. We've got to go to Secret Invasion now. Obviously, the loser is Sam's boat. We're in the multiverse. We've got all kinds of shit going on. There's absolutely literally no reason why Sam's boat can't be in a multiversal movie. It's just it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous at this point. I, I, we, you know where I, day one boat stand Kings, you know where my heart is. Yeah. Two, right, two, get him in there. Two, two, let's switch gears. Uh, first episode of secret invasion. This is going to be a six episode series on, uh, Disney plus. We got the first episode, a pretty full 54 minutes. Um, I don't know if I can do it. I'll do a quick recap if I can. Basically we open on Everett Ross who is chasing, uh, who uh, goes into a, a secret lair to talk to another agent, finds out that there has been the scrolls have been behind uh, scrolls who we thought were good are now uh, behind several terrorist attacks. Uh, this guy has proof. He gives it to Everett Ross. Everett Ross kills him. Turns out Everett Ross is a scroll. He's chased through the streets by another man. It turned out to be Talos. Talos. Maria Hill is there. We got to get, um, we got to get Sam Jack, Nick Fury back down to Earth. Nick Fury, who's been uh, up on Earth, up on in the space station, comes back down to find out what's going on. He talks to a bunch of different people. He talks to Olivia Coleman. Um, we learn that Talos has been kicked out of the Scroll Council. The Scrolls are now being led by this kind of um, terrorist uh, guy named Garrick or Graven. Graven, and um, the his daughter, played by Amelia Clark who we learned uh, they were strange, but now she's working for them. That was a kind of fun reveal. Um, they are trying to stop a, an attack happening. They are too late. And Maria Hill friggin' dies. That's the, re that's the uh, quick recap there. Uh, Alex, what'd you think of the first episode of Secret Invasion? I enjoyed myself. I got to go back and rewatch it, but I, you know, I I like Sam Jackson Ooh, uh, as yes, a performer. Yes, yes. I think he's Let's such a, such there, a fun baby. performer to watch. What's yeah, that? I just said, let's start and finish there for sure. Yeah. Um, I like spy stuff. I like, um, 
you know, I, there's there's certain like underdog sort of espionage tactics that Sam Jackson uses that I, you know, they're they're sort of tropey in the genre now, and I I always like seeing them. Uh, there's some real stakes here. There's some real real stuff happening, and I think I you know I really like the. I really like the idea that these non-powered people are the only people that they can trust up against like superhuman shapeshifters. Yeah, I I I I enjoyed it as well. I do think I I have some notes, but I think this is the first episode, so if this is if this builds, then I'm fully great with what happened in the first episode. If it stays like this, I'll have some questions. But yeah, I Samuel L. Jackson uh, I, it, it's hard when you see him and him operating in so much time and space here, you realize like how absent he's been from these stories. And I love the, his setup with his character about how, yeah, he was blipped away. He was gone for five years and all this stuff was built out. Like sword was developed and he's on the, what's the station? The, it's not called the Strand. It's called the Sarvin or whatever. It's the he's Saber on, or something. Yeah, the Saber. He's been working with Saber. So all these things were developed all while he was gone. And so now he's kind of this like relic, you know? And then the fact that he is also partly responsible, as we learn that the reason why Talos was... Um, ben Mendelsohn, too, is also... I mean, the acting in this is just ridiculous. Ben Mendelsohn's a wonderful actor. Olivia friggin' Coleman is on this goddamn show. She just... Yeah. She just crackles. She's so wonderful. But um, the fact that, you know, he had this responsibility of like finding the scrolls, a new planet. And it took 30 years uh, because, you know, Captain Marvel took place in the nineties. They still don't have a planet. And so now they blame Nick. So he could potentially be to blame for this, you know, kind of rogue faction taking over the human base of the scrolls who then want to take over the earth. Like, those stakes are super interesting and they're character led. I mean, his, and, and think of all that laid out there. I can't think of a performer who is like up to the task of that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I, and I think he's got such a, such a history. I, I, I really do appreciate them going back and sort of making stuff like the blip too still matter. You know that that it it gives it gives additional weight to what we've seen so far. Gives additional weight to what's coming next. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm I think this made me excited to watch Sam Jackson cook. It's fun, you know, and it's just another another kind of genre for Marvel to dip their toe into. Get them get take them dips. Um, yeah, watching him in a scene with Olivia Coleman. I was watching that scene. And I was like, wow, man, like we are, we are here in a space. If we just talked about like, you know, you know, stuff as we often talk about with the DCU stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> Marvel is able, we don't know what this show is. Like, I don't want to judge it. You know, Marvel has had some up and down stuff with their TV properties, but you know, if we're starting from a place where we get this really interesting scene between Olivia Coleman and, Samuel Jackson, well, the information exchanged is basically like, I know you know what went down, um, but I'm not going to tell you. That's basically the whole point of the whole scene. But the fact that we get it with like so much nuance, so much character choices, like the two of them, there's stuff, there's so much stuff going on when they're not talking. Like, it's just like to have that from the jump is just 
it's it's exciting for me. Like I think this is like I'm excited to see where it goes. I think there were some moments like I don't know, how did you feel like this whole like political spy thriller I also like. I love, you know, the the Winter Soldier, I love Falcon and Winter Soldier, like those kind of that kind of wing of that real street level Marvel stuff. I think the tone of that was a little up and down in this first episode. I think there were times where it dragged a little. But like I said, I like I said, it's the first episode. So I'm willing to be like, okay, fine. Like if it's a little, if it's always like this, I don't know. But the the tone was a little, little off for me, but I'm okay with it. And I thought the reveal of um Amelia Clark's character being Ben Mendelssohn's daughter, I thought that was great. Like, yeah, that's I, easy, I agree easy weight there. And and especially getting the, you know having having this division between the two of them i thought was really interesting i think that they really did a good job of getting you up to speed and caring about these characters that are sort of kind of i mean how much contact have we had with these people yeah you know, i was like say. since you know since what was it captain marvel maybe that we saw, well, I saw telos yeah, yeah uh so um no they were in uh know, they I, were in they were revealed to be in um far from home uh, at the True. end, that's right. That's right. And then that's we did right. see we did see a scroll at at the end of WandaVision that was telling um, Monica Rambeau that they needed to that Nick Fury needed to talk to her. That was the last time we saw a scroll. So I think that they're doing some place setting. I think that the the kind of West Wing shot in the you know in the White House where they made a point to show all these different portraits of presidents almost in chronological order. Um, it, I think we're going to start to see some revelations that are going to start a, a clock to be ticking. You know, we're going to, we're going to start to feel a noose tightening around the narrative a little bit. I, I have to ask you when, when they were like, when it showed the white house and you heard Don Cheadle say, Mr. President, there was a part of me that was like, Oh my God, are we getting president? Are we getting Harrison Ford in this fucking show? I was like very giddy, but then I was like, Oh no, it's Dermot <laughs> Mulrooney. All right. I mean, Dormer Mulroney is a poor man's poor man's Harrison Ford, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, he's the he's a lunchbox Harrison Ford for sure. Um, lunchbox I, is I, very being very. He's like the Denny's breakfast Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the all American slam of Harrison Ford. Uh, <laughs> Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity. Um, fresh and fruity, Dermot Mulroney. Rudy Tootie, it's, fresh it's and also, fruity, Dermot Mulroney. It all rhymes. Rudy, sorry. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I. You know, it's. It, I have to go back and rewatch this, and I'll say I, I did see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and then The Flash, and then this within like seventy-two hours. And so to go so meta, so fourth wall breaky, so like ultra galactic down into. Okay, none of these people have powers and we're all going to be on the street. It's like, I, I kind of got the bends a, a little bit. <laughs> no, that's a great, that's a great point. And maybe this, as you said, like, this is like a lot of like intense table setting that we are just, we got to reorient ourselves in terms of, because the, the last thing we got was Guardians 3, which was big and bold and planets and flying and space and yada yada and we are not we might go to space i mean scrolls are aliens but we're definitely going to be very grounded so maybe that was like the intent here in terms of like tone and pacing for me which i thought the pacing was just a hair off but yeah maybe that's part of it it's just to kind of 
reorient us to we're going to be in cars and not just cars, but really old ones. And we are going to be driving places. We're not flying anywhere. Yeah. We are not. We are in a forest. We are in Russia, too. And we are we are. And it specifically is like present day is what it says at the top of this thing, which in very big, bold letters, like, right. This is now. It's now it's but it's somehow cobblestone streets exciting <laughs> it's now but also old um have you read the the run the actual secret invasion run and in marvel and the, the comics run the brian Mar- brian michael bendis who is arguably one of the greatest comic writers alive right a legendary storyteller in the in the in the space uh yes i did read it when it initially came out it was an enormous crossover when it first yeah, came big, out and huge. The, the- so this is like it i was gonna say that the the this this is you know, in that comic, it was like, I think you had said before in the past, like, you know, big characters were revealed to be scrolls the whole time. It's very clear. I think they made it clear in this first episode that that is that's not going to be the case here. We're not going to get like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Rhodey's been a scroll the whole time. But then again, who knows? Yeah, they, I think they've put some they've put some fencing around the abilities of the scrolls uh, to sort of make them a little a little more, you know, narratively appropriate. But yeah, I, I, Rhodey could be a scroll. You you know you don't know because I think I think like Spider Woman. There were some huge characters that were revealed to have been scrolls for a very long time. Uh, so I, yeah, I think I, I'm I'm excited to see that. And like obviously they're willing to go that far if they're going to kill off Maria Hill. Which that also was, yes, let's talk about is that. she dead? Because like Coulson died. Yeah, I, I know, but Coulson like like the part of me was like. Well, she got shot and it was like, I was like, oh, but she's like, I mean, whatever. Anybody can come back in these things. And then they did like the slow pull up as the blood was pooling out of the side of her. And I was like, oh, no, she's probably dead. <laughs> and then the first line was like special guest star Kobe Smolders was like the first credit. And I was like, oh, man. And I was thinking about it because that's like a that's a I mean, she Maria Hill is a is a, you know, a. A, I don't want to say a large character in the comics. She's never had her own run, but she is a, she has been in comics for a long time. And she is, she, and she has been in so many of these different properties, never really being like more than just like a, for lack of a better word, a yes man, but you know, involved in a lot of these different things. And the fact that like they, they had to kind of set the stakes because I was trying to figure out why they would kill her. They had to set the stakes and they had to be like, look, the stakes are with this thing is not everybody. Not only can anyone be a scroll, as we saw Everett Ross, even though that wasn't Everett Ross, that's the trick they can do. They can have anybody show up and be somebody that you think it is. And it's actually not that person. Um, but to set the stakes, is it like the stakes are high? We're going to actually murder people that you have known for years. Like that was like, was a big deal. Yeah. I think, I think you're, I think what they're trying to do and what I'm thinking is you know, is is Nick Fury gonna make it out alive from this this secret invasion? Well, he's in the Marvels trailer, so <laughs> you gotta think. Oh, that's true. Unless the Marvels t- takes place before this, maybe that's why it says present day. And maybe at the end, when he's dying, they'll be like, you know, six months ago, and we'll get like a end of the sh- and at the end of the season, we'll get like a you know a post credit scene that sets up the marvels i mean i wouldn't put that i mean it's possible i think that's what you have to put that out there like anybody could die here because we just killed somebody who has had we've had ample opportunity to kill and right. we haven't and and we're we saved it for this moment so i feel it but like you said i mean anybody could come <laughs> anybody could come fucking bucky yeah. fell off a freaking bridge 
and he became the Winter Soldier. So Bucky fell off a bridge very high up. Like, I don't care. That body hits the ground. Like they Didn't they show that like they grabbed the body and moved on? That body is not a body when it hits the ground. That body is no. like mush. There's not, no, you there's got no, you got to move. You got to no move that. There. You got to move that body in bowls. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's gonna be like I'm gonna need several uh, uh, several things of plasticware here. Hey, hey, you know, you know those big orange buckets from Home Depot. <laughs> no, I need me, a shop vac. Can you give me one of those wet backs over here? I like a wet dry, maybe like a 20 gallon capacity. We're long extension cord. Oh my God. Yeah. But I think that it really sets the tone for this show. Cause we still haven't really learned anything about the bad guy other than he's just like bad guy. But that actor Kingsley Benadir who played Malcolm X in one night in Miami, a movie that's fine. But he's a he's a compelling actor, so I think you know it's the same thing. If you're going to cast these big people in these roles, I'm hoping it's so they can you know, so they can cook a little bit, you know. One would hope, but also you know, it's it's it it's easy to think. I think get lost in some of these things too. There's so much BS going on in your project and the broader universe that you're now a part of. I mean, you know, you know, the first guy, the crazy dude with the, uh, the Pepe Silvia wall at the very beginning of the episode. Which, yes. That actor too is, is from one of my favorite unknown television shows that I'm literally even forgetting the name of right now. Oh, uh, fortitude, this wonderful show. Look it up. It's like, it's, it's all about this like weird murder that takes place in this tiny, tiny town, like in Norway. And he was, he was like the sheriff on it. He was a great actor. And yeah, they just, they, mur- and he was, yeah, I remember looking at him being like, his eyes being like, someone's not going to tell him to, to go down, like take it down a notch. <laughs> like he's, he's operating at full capacity here. He's also Beric Dondarrion from Game of Thrones. Yes, 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 yes. That's his, that's his big deal. Is that, yeah. The flaming sword. Richard, Richard Horner, I think his name is. That's, I think that's is actually his name. But yeah, he was. He was at like, oh, whoa. I thought he was the scroll. I'm like, that's not a human being talking right there. That's guys. He's like literally like the Charlie Day meme from It's Always Sunny, where he's like trying to do the explanation and like the red the red dots everywhere. That that's Pepe Silvia. Oh, it is? Got it. We got it. Yeah. We got there. It took me a long time to get there, but we got there. <laughs> Day man. Oh. 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 And what a great show that is. We're gonna do a recap of their of their of that series. Let's do all 18. I just watched the most recent episode. Oh, that show is just talk about a show that just knows what they are and just keeps hitting that note over and over again in the right way. Uh, this show has got a long way to go before it gets the number of episodes if it's always sunny. But I think we're off to a good start. I think we can definitely say that for sure. I think, yeah. And I think similar to Always Sunny, by season six or seven, they'll let people say fuck on this show. <laughs> I mean, the wall's been open, baby. We, we unlocked, we, you know, when. Peter Quill turned to Nebula and said, open the fucking door. Pardon my French. So he, yeah. Disney, you've let it. Disney, you're making a Deadpool movie. I, do, I doubt I doubt that Ryan Reynolds agrees to make a PG-13 Deadpool movie. I doubt it. Uh, I, I mean, in, come on. In, in, in 10 years' time, Cyclops in X-Men 2 is going to be like, let's move our fucking asses. <laughs> and it'll just be like, whatever. Nobody will care. <laughs> yeah. One could hope. One can only hope. It'll be the X-Men's battle cry. Let's move our fucking asses. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. We're not there yet, though. I do think I will just make a couple, like one more point I want to bring up because I know we have a lot, we're, we're a long way to go on this. So we don't have to like put as much time as we put into The Flash because that was a full movie that was supposedly a full story. Um, I do think what I'm getting so far, not, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania excluded. If you just take Guardians and then this first episode of this, we are kind of getting into like, we know that you're all thinking of like bigger plot lines, but these things are going to be really self-contained and coming off of guardians, which was, it's very much a self-contained story. This kind of feels like the same thing, like because this is a story that could literally have anybody in it. I mean, it's like a, there's terror. You can have anybody do this, but the fact that they've all hinged it around Nick Fury and, you know, he has a, you know, kind of legit responsibility for what's happening like I think, and he's not telling the president of the United States <laughs> the Grand Slam breakfast of uh, Harrison Ford's <laughs> Dermot Mulroney. I think that that's yeah. Like it just goes back to this being a very table setty ep- episode. We yeah, got stakes. We, we got reintroductions. We got introductions, and then we know where we are, like what the baseline is, and now let's now let's go off and run with this thing. And also that it's not going to be. It's not going to be. Uh, season two, episode five of Loki, in terms of its like narrative and lore implications. Like, yeah, Jonathan Majors didn't show up ten minutes into this movie. Into this thank TV God, because that would have pulled me right out. Or like, oh, he's, he needs to be in court. Kang is everywhere. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, well, that's a that's a thing we're gonna have to deal with down the road too. But I do like that idea of recasting it with the actor who played the High Evolutionary, I and mean, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Same. Um, Alex, is this this is a tough one here? Is this Star Trek or Star Wars? This is a tough one here. I know my answer. I know my answer, but do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I think it's Star Trek just because the scrolls just look like Star Trek characters. I mean, they just really, really do. Uh, I think one thing this show is gonna have to navigate is like how to put like such goo looking characters into like espionage. But Scrolls to me are very much, you could call them like the Gorlax and put them on a planet and it would work in Star Trek, no problem. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I think it in, in terms of its approach, in terms of its style, it's a little more grounded and... And and they've done some they've done some heavy duty work to like justify why you probably won't see uh, what's her face from Game of Thrones in scroll makeup a lot. Like they've yeah, they had to gotta, do these like gotta, kind of writing work work arounds to legitimize why you won't and why they can't, but she will and whatever you know. I'm totally here for it. Whatever. I I like that because that's a question you ask. Why are they all walking around like they're they're in their own compound? Why aren't they just? Why are these people walking around in scrolls? Like they're in Skrillex right now. They're in their town called Skrillex, and yeah. <laughs> they why wouldn't they be? Um, and but like oh no, you, they have to maintain their human forms because of what do they call them? Their host, not their host. They called them their like. Uh, well prepared we have we are I, yeah we got it um <laughs> they're condoms they're condoms who's the big winner for you from episode one of uh secret invasion i'm pretty sure i know who it is but i'm gonna say it's ben mendelson look at you i was gonna say sam jack but either one is fine by me i mean the more you know he's 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 getting his moment he's getting his moment with sam jackson i think it's i think i'm i'm happy for him as a performer somebody i like to watch and I can't wait to see more of him as he gets to like, you know, he's he's 
presenting a complex character with complex emotions. I can appreciate that. I love it too. That's a good pick. I was going to say too, watching him in this, I was watching, I mean, even the scrolls, I'm like Captain Marvel, a movie that I think is like not bad. I don't think it's like top tier MCU, but there's a lot of people who don't like that movie. And I don't know, figure it out. There's a woman who was the lead of it. It's why people don't like it. Anyway, um, I like that movie. I'm very excited to see the Marvels, but like I was watching it being like, oh, wow, they're made it. They're making a whole TV show out of those characters from Captain Marvel. That to me is like massive flex because they get to go like, yeah, we're doing that. But guess what we're doing it with Ben frickin' Mendelsohn, who is a great freaking actor. (laughs) So, you know what? He back the F up. It's why you make these deals. It's why you cast, you know, you cast intelligently. Like Marvel, the one thing you can't, the one thing you can't take away from them, they cast brilliantly. Yeah. And that's looking at you, James Gunn, over at the DCU, as you're looking to potentially cast a soap opera actor as Superman. Um, I think it goes without saying this is a Marvel property. Um the last time we were in this kind of level of of street level intrigue was a little show called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of that show even took place in the Eastern Bloc part of the world. Are you yes. trying to tell me we cannot get Sam Wilson's shrimping boat? Maybe it's a scroll. I don't care. Like if Sam's shrimping boat turned out to be a scroll, great. But Big you, reveal. Got, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. It's just it's at this point, it at the end, like I was very hurt by the fact that they used AI to make the whole opening sequence. But like the fact that that this everything we're seeing from them is has no boat is just it's starting to get painful at some point. Even an artificial intelligence would be able to see that we need boat. Thank we you. We need boat now. Thank you. Give us boat now. Day one boat stand kings. Um, Alex. Really want to hear more from this um, uh, this uh, Magic the Gathering thing that's happening. The gaming, yeah, the gaming Randy's, store. Randy's Randy's Knights of the Round Table and their their series of events to coincide with the release of the Lord of the Rings themed Magic the Gathering expansion. They do want to let everybody know they've canceled the Magic the Gathering live role playing uh, they were going to have in the parking lot. There are too many paper cuts from people winging the ever loving shit out of these things at one another. So. <laughs> They had to, but they have opened the Mines of Moria simulator. They ba- they throw you in a dark closet and rough you up a, a pretty good, and then they make you fight Devin, who's their <laughs> ugliest employee, while Devin is fully engulfed in flames. And then to coincide with that, actually, if you if you enjoy keeping the company of the Green Wizard, then you can kick back in our JRR Toke Cane Lounge. You can get high. You can get higher than a Balrog's clitoris in their converted storage shed. So those are some wow. of the events at wow. Randy's Knights of the Round Table. I had no gaming idea. and more. I had no idea the such intimate details of the Balrog. Incredible. Um yep. I'm looking at my clock. You know what time it is, Alex? <laughs> what time is it, Kenny? It's game time, baby. Uh this Let's game was originally um written for the lost episode and then I couldn't do I started doing it last week. And I was like, I'll let the audience like make guesses and then I'll put like a pause. And I was like, this doesn't work at all because I've got great jokes in here and I don't want to waste them. So are you ready? Let's do it. This game is called, why would you do that? (laughs) Already? I love it. Yeah. Already good. (laughs) I know you haven't seen a lot of scary movies, but this week, and this is now two weeks ago, 
I had the pleasure of watching the 1981 horror movie, Happy Birthday to Me, a film in which four kids go missing and the school still proceeds with the school dance. Good. Why in the fuck would you do that? Someone is murdering teens, so let's put them all in the same place. So I'm going to name a scenario from an actual horror movie, and you have to tell me if they canceled the event or did they proceed to go on like everything was fine, even though several friends from the same friend group went missing. Okay, you ready? Let's do it. In Jaws, this is a bit of a stretch for this first one. Number one, in Jaws, a shark murders several people right before 4th of July. Did they have that 4th of July ceremony on the beach? Yes. Yes, they did. And guess what? Several more people died via shark. All right, you ready? (laughs) Number two, in the 1981 film, Happy Birthday to Me, as previously mentioned, there was a soccer game on the books, even though several kids had gone missing. Did they still play that soccer game? Yes. Yes, they did. They did, and the team won, and everyone sat and cheered like life somehow had meaning, but it definitely did not. Number three, you ready? Let's do it. In both iterations of the movie Prom Night, several kids go missing after a known murderer escapes from prison and attempts to find his lover who is at the prom. Did they still have that prom? Yes. Yes, they did. At no point do they stop the prom. It just keeps rolling and rolling, kind of like the head of the killer at the end of the movie. And what's weird is that not only does the prom continue, but the friends of the people who are missing go back to the prom to quote unquote, have fun. Can you visualize a world where one of your friends is missing and you just go back to the prom? What if they came back? They're probably going to be like, you guys stopped looking for me and just went back to the prom. I was gone for less than an hour. What the fuck? Are you ready for number four? Let's do it. Halloween four. After Michael Myers murders several people on Halloween over two movies, did the town of Haddonfield keep having Halloween celebrations? Yes. What the fuck are these people doing? (laughs) People are dying and dying over and over and y'all keep going out? We gotta be brave. No, you don't. They should never have Halloween in that town ever. And again, the kids who have just lost friends knowingly watched them murdered are still like want to go over to rick's parents house and party his parents are gone people come the fuck on i don't care how horny i was in high school which was very but (laughs) (laughs) hold on i don't care what i said but thank you (laughs) i'm trying i I i have a misspelling here i can't forget I don't care how horny I was, but Link untapped energy because I knew that chances of me having sex in high school were like negative 55. But if I watched my friends get murdered, I'm pretty sure the last thing I'd want to do is go over to Rick's parents' house because it's lit. I'm home, curled up in the fetal position, throwing up into a bucket because nothing makes sense. Nothing. <laughs> Ready for number five? Yeah, hit me. In both iterations of My Bloody Valentine, Mayor Hanninger and the town's police chief, Jake Newby, receive an anonymous box of Valentine chocolates containing a human heart and a note warning that murders will begin if the Valentine's Day dance at the high school proceeds. 
That evening, resident Mabel is murdered by a mining geared killer in a laundromat and her heart is removed. Did they have that Valentine's dance? I think they might have. No, they actually didn't have that one. All right. And that was the game. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) Tremendous. Tremendous I know. I've been sitting on that for like two weeks, baby. I'm really happy about that one. Um, (laughs) uh, Alex, we have one more read for uh, for the gaming store. Yeah, it's uh, Randy's Knights of the Round Table. Again, Magic the Gathering, Lord of the Rings set. And at Randy's Knights of the Round Table, you can win a date with a real Ent. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the picture now, and they, it looks the like they've just they've strapped a bra to a sycamore in the parking lot. <laughs> they say, they say uh, please, they also want to ask attendees, please ask a trusted friend or relative to check if you smell like old jizz before coming to the tournament. <laughs> and again minorities are welcome we want that to be very clear so that's randy's knights of the round table gaming and more (laughs) don't come smelling like old jizz oh wow what a gaming what a gaming day this is gonna be uh this is not for the time for (laughs) a whole weekend of festivities it's a whole weekend (laughs) and again minorities are welcome they want to make that very, clear. very, very clear. Um, we want this is time for our Hoopla recommendations. Go to Hoopla, put in your library card. You can read comic books on your phone. It's pretty great. Uh, Alex, what's your recommendation this week? I, I think it might be a repeat, uh, a repeat recommendation from one of us. But I, I spent some of my travel time just absolutely jamming through the Darth Vader series that's available from the oh, Marvel. Yeah, I've recommended the, the past. It's incredible. Star Wars offering. Dude, so, so, so good. You know, some like Darth Vader as a villain certainly benefits from select screen time in the original trilogy. And this absolutely blows him out as a character and allows him to be more fully fleshed out. And I I really, really liked it. Highly recommend. Oh, there's like a kid in it at some point. And you're like, oh, man, why does Star Wars got to saddle these people with kids? But then there's a whole turn with the kid. That's awesome. Uh, it's awesome. It's a really great run of comics. I recommend that a lot. I'm going to tell people to read the Brian Michael Bendis Secret Invasion. It's a, it's readily available on uh, Hoopla right now. You can literally pick it up and read this. This TV show is loosely based on it. But you can read about the Scroll Invasion as one of the greatest comic book writers, Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote the amazing Hawkeye run. He's just, just do it, do it folks. Um, Alex, what did your dogs think of either one of these properties as the you garbage know, trucks have, here in the background? It's, it's good. Cause, cause my, cause Millie has a garbage take my, my little Millie dog. <laughs> she has a garbage take. Uh, she, she says she, she enjoys, uh, the fact that Ezra Miller is getting away with uh, his autism coding in the Flash. Oh shit! Well, that is that is a that is a garbage take. My dog really? was. My we don't dog put was, up with uh, that in this house. My dog was uh, absent for both of these. Just was in the in when I came home from the Flash. Just didn't even stir. And then the whole time I was watching Secret Invasion was in the other room. So she had absolutely zero time for these things. So. And in the case of The Flash, she might have missed out on some fun times, but she would have had a lot of questions just like I had. She's a real stickler for garbage CGI as well. I, I do have to, by the way, I just want to say, I want to clear this up vis-a-vis the joke I was just making. It does annoy me, and they were much more explicit about it in this movie 
with Ezra Miller's performance, he they they are trying to portray Barry as somebody on the spectrum, and in in all but actually literally saying it, and I resent that. I don't know if they if that what they were saying. I feel like they were saying because the the nineteen year old Barry was like high energy, but was like way cooler. He'd already gotten the date with Iris, and so they were almost positing like the reason why Barry's so goofy is because he doesn't because his mom died and his dad's in jail. Like it's such a weird take to me. Anyway, I do appreciate both performances when he was together, but anyway, uh, Alex, where can the folks find you besides episode five of Jury Duty? Uh, you can find me at Duke underscore midnight on all major social platforms, including Walmart plus Walmart plus is your portal. No, you know, that's, a, that's sponsorship for another show I'm doing. Yeah. I, uh, I got yeah it. Duke Walmart underscore plus. midnight M I D N I T E. I'm Kenny G Stevenson on, uh, letterbox, Twitch, TikTok. You can find me at Kenny G donut King on Instagram. And we'll be back next week. Probably talking about more secret invasion for sure. So I'm into it. Be ready for that. Thanks for listening, everybody, because I got to go. Hit the bricks, kid. Hit the bricks, pal. If you can't sell shit, your shit, hit the bricks. Oh, my God. We'll just do a whole Glengarry. Alex and I are going to do just the Alec Baldwin scene from Glengarry Glen Ross for four straight hours at a theater in L.A. Coming soon. Hey, Kenny. Hey, hey. ABC. Always be caping. <laughs> On that note, we gotta we gotta leave on that bad boy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> ah.